Welcome, everyone, to our NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz. I'm pleased to be joined by Kathleen McNeely. She's the NCAA Senior Vice President of Administration and the Chief Financial Officer. On this program, we're going to peel back a little bit of the onion on the gender equity assessment that was released the previous week. And we want to just look at some of the things that came out of this. Uh, as everyone knows, this was initially a men's basketball and a women's basketball assessment, but it will also encompass the entire NCAA in terms of looking at gender equity at all levels, all sports, which we'll talk a little bit about on the back end of our conversation. So Kathleen, let's start with your, your assessment of the assessment overall, and then we'll go to a couple of, of key points of it. I think the assessment um, was good. I thought it was it was accurate. It gave context um, to the differences between the championships. Um, it reflected what was a huge amount of work done by a number of NCAA staff over the last nine months to address gender equity issues and make sure that as we reached March, that our men's and women's basketball student athletes had the same experience. So. You know, it's been two years and I don't want to rehash what happened in 2021. Obviously, there was no tournament for the men and the women and spring sports in 2020. So people sometimes forget as these years blend together. But let's look at 22. Um, everything that I have heard, uh, obviously, I was covering the men's tournament, following the women's tournament. We've done many shows with student athletes in women's basketball coaches, uh, Lynn Holtzman, Nina King. I mean, so a whole swath of people that were involved in the process. And I didn't hear anything negative, which is tremendous. We saw the March Madness women's basketball social account, the branding on the courts uh, being used by both networks, obviously, well, multiple networks to televise the men and the women, um, the amenities, all these different things that went into the 2022 championship. Uh, everything seemed to be very positive. I know there's more to do, and we'll talk about that. But what was your, uh, the feedback that you received on that experience in 22? Um, well, I mean, I actually was at the women's basketball games that Friday and I experienced the men's. Um, so I can say it was a great experience for, for both sets of championships. I thought the signage in Minneapolis was powerful for the women. Um, it was exciting. It was a great atmosphere. Minneapolis did a great job. Um, just overall, I thought it was a great, it was a great experience. And we didn't hear anything negative about 2022. Everybody seemed to embrace and appreciate the changes. And, um, and we, as we do every year, we had a winner for both championships. And, you know, during the course of the season, uh, the men's basketball committee and the women's basketball committee met there was a lot more communication than we've ever seen in the past. Uh, and it certainly translated into the way the championships were run. As you look at the assessment of how that piece of the two tournaments went in terms of at that administrative level within the two committees, what was your assessment? I thought the committees did a great job collaborating together. Um, I think probably we all know one of the biggest recommendations was having um, the same site. So, so both championships in the same year, for the same city, the committee met multiple times to have that conversation. That was, those were serious conversations talking about the impact on both championships. And at the end of the day, they did decide to not have um, one site um, through 31 
2031, and I and it was a unanimous decision they took into consideration as an example, the coaches associations, especially the women's basketball coaches association. How did those coaches feel about it? What were their concerns? Um, so I think it was good. I think the collaboration was great. That was just an example. I think I think what was their one major decision, um, but they were aligned and together on um, creating that gender equity that we've talked about for the last year. Yeah, before we go into the student athlete experience from this year and beyond, um, you brought it up. And so I wanna talk about that for a second, that that was an original recommendation from the report uh, after 2021. But this is a great example of just because it was recommended, once the stakeholders really peeled back and saw what that meant, how would you, you know, have multiple networks working together, you know, lodging for potentially eight teams? Are you having one site, two sites within a city? How many cities could accommodate that? And by the way, do the coaches actually want this to happen? And do the student athletes want it as well? And the result was the survey said no at this point through 2031. So recommendation at the same time, it was reviewed, peer reviewed, and ultimately the decision was, you know what, we're going to wait through the end of this term of 2031. What did you think of that aspect of actually listening to the stakeholders after a recommendation was made? I, I thought it was really good. I, I think that, that Kaplan made a recommendation, you know, on the surface, it looked really great. But when you do peel back that onion, you start to realize the complexities. Do you have eight really nice hotels, quality hotels in one city? Um, do you have the air? I mean, there's just all kinds of considerations. There was concerns that would detract um, from the women's basketball tournament to be in the same city with the men. So I think everybody, um, the, the discussions were robust and I think everybody came to a good conclusion and external stakeholders were taken into consideration. Um, so I thought that was an example of a recommendation that looked really good and I think was well-placed by Kaplan, but at the end of the day, wasn't the right thing to do at this time. So the student athlete experience, um, some of these were low-hanging fruit that just makes sense. Uh, expanding the bracket to 68 teams to be equal with the men. So that's four more teams getting that opportunity. Let's take that right off the bat. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think that was an easy decision. Um, there are hard decisions and they're easier. I mean, we were providing 68 opportunities for the, the men's student athletes and only 64 for the women. Um, the women's um, championship has gotten popular, as you know, it's gotten very competitive. Just makes sense to add the four, provide those additional four teams um, that opportunity to compete. So the first four for the women uh, ultimately was a campus site uh, as of this taping. Uh, I know there's still discussion whether or not they put it on neutral or campus. Um, and that's still another aspect that certainly could, you know, change from the first uh, initial aspect. But having that first four, um, what would you think of the way that was received? I think people understood. So, you know, we at that point, we are in November. Um, the championships in the four months, there's a lot of planning that goes into a site. You have to do site visits. You have to make sure wherever you have it, they can handle it. Certainly going with sites that were already going to have games made it easier to put them off to make sure we could pull off that first four. Um, everybody understands it's a different experience for it to be at its own location. And certainly our membership and the committee will take that into consideration. I think there's a good chance we're going to see the women follow the same format as the men um, and we're willing to support that. 
gifts, swag, another easy one to make it equitable. Uh, how'd you think that turned out? I thought it turned out well. I, I think to a certain extent, the, the gifts and the swag were similar in prior years, but they weren't the same. So it's hard to say they were the same. So there was a conscious effort by both of the men's and women's basketball staff to do a side-by-side -side comparison this year. There was a box that was kind of put together, a March Madness. Um, the gifts came in those boxes. They were delivered to their hotel rooms. I think that was that was the right way to do it. And that's what we learned from that, that you have to make sure it's absolutely is a one-to-one -one comparison and that you package it and present it in such a way that makes those student athletes realize they're in a final four and that's pretty special. Well, part of that is the branding. And there's no question that when the women's teams arrived in Minneapolis and they were greeted uh, at the airport, a red, car red carpet treatment, something that was not done in the past, getting on those buses, with um, you know, the signage of their school, getting the police escort, all those kinds of things that uh, I think we're taking for granted at times, uh, but feel like you are at a big time Super Bowl level event. Uh, that was carried out incredibly well. Uh, and, and another one that was really kind of easy to do when you really think about, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what was the feedback on that one? Well, I didn't hear the feedback on those specific items, but any of us who have ever been in a caravan with a police escort know that's a very, very cool experience. And, and certainly we wanted our women's basketball student athletes to feel that, to know that this is a big deal. This is a, this is a championship round. Um, I think we were all excited for that. Um, it was actually kind of an emotional moment for a lot of NCAA staff to say, look what we're doing. This is just tremendous and great for our women's, our women's athletes. And, and, you know, the March Madness um, tag, slogan, logo, uh, you know, I think uh, there were a lot of armchair quarterbacking of, well, how's that going to work? You've got two different networks. Um, you know, look, I, I just don't think nor do I sense that there was a problem. I mean, I'm not in those meetings, you know, at the high level of network executives, but it seemed pretty seamless to me on the outside of multiple networks using the same logo, just with an MBB versus a WBB and a slight color differentiation, and then seeing it on the courts and on television. Uh, it all just seemed, once again, to make sense. Your thoughts? It, it did. And, and I will say our media partners came through for us 100%. I think they recognized the issue. They recognized it was something that we needed to resolve. And it's just absolutely March Madness is about basketball. It's not just about men's basketball. And so I think that was an easy one to embrace. It was, I think, a decision that was made early in, in November, October, November timeframe really allowed us to move forward with our signage and our messaging. Um, but I'll say, I think our media partners were really great in that regard, recognizing, um, I, I don't wanna say easy, nothing's easy, but that was something we could absolutely do. And another thing at the Final Four Minneapolis is we had that, that Super Saturday uh, you know, uh, concert, um, you've had, uh, you know, we also had open practices, which is what was a mainstay with the men. Um, again, these are things that for whatever reason weren't done in the past or maybe not done as big that uh, were done in 22. Uh, what's the thinking of, of how it worked and, and how it could be an, even enhanced uh, beyond? 
I think that, well, I will say we had 17, I believe all of our corporate sponsors participated in activation at the women's final four this year. Um, that's the first year that's happened. And that happened because um, there was, there was first of all, a lot of optics. Um, and I think, and so I think they were engaged. They wanted to help solve the problem. They wanted to be part of that um, final four weekend for the women. Um, and I think things like adding the open practice on Saturday were, was a result of that. So again, I actually think just like the, our media partners, our corporate sponsors and partners really stepped forward. They activated, they made it a better experience, not just for the student athletes, but also for the fans and for the promotion of the game, which we all thought was really positive. All right, so I've sort of gone through some of the things that were done that made the most sense. Um, there are times though, when you really look at budget and staff and you have to say, okay, wait a minute, they're not completely equal events. So it may not be the same money and number of, you know, staffers to handle it just because it may not be needed and it may not be as big. If you could just walk us through why that is when you've got, you know, a final four in a dome, every site is neutral. So it's 13 sites, if I'm not mistaken. And then the women, the first and second round are on campus and then ultimately ending most of the time in what would be an NBA or an NHL arena. Yeah, so I'll start with the first and second round, Andy. So the, the women's committee in 2015 made the decision to have the first and second round on campus. Um, and, I, and I think they did that for the right reasons. They believe it's going to promote the game better. It's going to have a larger audience, more people, fans um, watching that game. It's a better experience for the student athlete. Um, but it does mean that 16 of those teams don't travel. And so automatically you have lower costs because of that for women over men. And the membership can revisit that decision. They could always decide the game is at a point where it could be at, at um, predetermined locations and not on campus. And then if we move forward, it's really the final four. Um, so we're talking about um, turning a football stadium into a basketball arena. So that's gonna cost us four to 5 million just in putting those seats in there and the infrastructure of making that happen. The women are in a basketball arena. So 18,000 fans approximately compared to the men's 70,000 fans. So you can just see the difference in um, getting um, the seating set up. Um, you're talking about security for 70,000 people versus 18,000 people. You're talking about a logistics consultant that has a lot less logistics to work through. Um, and so it just becomes, and quite frankly, even our credit card fees on the sale of tickets. Um, the men are selling over $100 million in tickets and the women are about five, $6 million in tickets. And you can just see our credit card fees is gonna be drastically different. So you take that scale and you look across all the expenses, including signage. Signage for a football stadium is going to require a lot more to have an impact on the student athlete than signage in a much smaller arena. Again, rent for the facility. I could go on and on. There are a number of reasons why the budget amounts are different. But what we've said from the very beginning is this isn't about having an equal budget. It is about having an equitable experience for the student athletes. And that is what we think we achieved. So in 2023 though, we've got two other kind of new wrinkles. Um, one is the regionals will be two eight team sites, which will condense it even more, but on the flip side, will potentially have unbelievable environments in two places versus four, what will that mean to ensure that it looks 
equal, uh, but at the same time may require less, you know, potentially funds and staff because you're only dealing with two sites instead of four. So we're not really sure that we're going to save any money on the um, eight eight teams at one location versus four for the regionals. Um, and that just is going to come down to travel expenses and who's where and how far we have to fly them. So we have those issues. Um, I think, Andy, that, that as, we, as we look at that, we do think, and I think it's why the committee wants to try this format, um, that it's going to put more fans in those arenas and make it a better regional experience for um, the women student athletes. And, and that's certainly what we hope for. Um, so you might save a little bit of money around signage, but, um, but we think some of those small savings we're going to have are going to be offset um, by increased travel and other things that we might have to do in a city where we have um, more fans that need to be taken care of. And in 2023, we'll have a unique situation in Dallas. All three divisions, one, two, and three, will have their championship in Dallas. Uh, what will that mean uh, for the women's basketball tournament budget staff as well? Well, I mean, Division Two and Division Three pay for their own um, their own championships out of their allocation. But I will say it creates a level of opportunity for promotion of the game that you're just not going to see otherwise. I mean, if if we can play that up, if the state of Texas, where which really does embrace women's basketball, um, if the state of Texas can play that up, really talk about the synergies of having those three championships in the one location, I think that can be pretty powerful. All right, so let's go forward here uh, in basketball. Telvin, television contracts up in 24 um, uh, with ESPN. Uh, I, I'm not telling you to get into the negotiations, but what do you see uh, as the growth of the game continues, certainly with the WNBA uh, piggybacking, obviously with women's college basketball, it's been a great run the last couple of years. Uh, how do you see this event this championship growing even more, especially when, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the television deal in a couple of years? Well, I think, you know, the media ratings for women's basketball have just been growing the last several years. And, and I think a big part of that is just a great competition and great games. Um, so certainly that puts us in an advantageous spot. I would tell you, we have several championships, um, women's softball, um, men's baseball, with several championships that just have seen their ratings go up, viewership is really positive. And so I think all of that has to be taken into consideration as um, the NCAA approaches that renegotiation, but certainly a, a really great opportunity for women's basketball to look at the promotion and that partnership and what it can do for them. All right, before I let you go, uh, just give me the timeline if you can on all the other sports of where we stand with the gender equity report or assessment, uh, because there are plenty of issues, obviously, to, to dissect in you know, countless other sports that are sponsored at the NCAA level and do need to certainly be more equitable. Where do we stand? Because this was more phase one with women's basketball and men's basketball. What's the next step or two? Yeah, so phase two came in later, um, certainly not an opportunity to make huge change or do detailed analysis for the 2022 championships. Um, 
But we did make some changes. Joni Comstock, our senior vice president for championships other than basketball, all other championships, had her staff look at all kinds of data um, to see if there were opportunities to make changes immediately in some of the championships in the 21-22 championship season. And, th and those were made. There were significant changes made, which resulted in uh, more spend. What we weren't able what, to what do- would be, What would be an example? Um, bracket sizes. So if they identified right. that one of the men's or women's bracket was slightly different, if they identified one sport, the women were getting a day of rest, but the men weren't, we changed that. Which they added um, in softball. Yeah, so there's those kind of changes that were reviewed. Um, even just looking at, we looked at the women's volleyball court and realized we could have a different surface for them that would make it a little bit safer. So just kind of a review of what, what could we do immediately, which we did. And then um, what we did with basketball is we did a side-by-side -side comparison of the budget, not to say is the amount the same, but are we creating what is an equitable equitable product for the student athlete. We have started that process now with the other championships and that will continue through the upcoming months. Um, and we will be making changes to the budget as is necessary um, to accommodate those changes. Well, Kathleen, I really appreciate your work uh, going through this process with me here on our social series. I know we're gonna discuss the other sports and championships uh, in the months ahead uh, as we get even more information. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate you, Andy. Thank you. And as always, you go to ncaa.org slash social series, where all our social series are archived. Thanks for watching, everyone.